Wow. Um, thank you very much, Nick. That's very kind of you. <laughs> um, and what a baton to be passed on from what's just happened in worship and God speaking to us so beautifully this morning. Um, hi, I'm Chris, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm one of the pastors here at Ashford Vineyard. And I'm up here this morning to bring you the next, the next installment in our Heaven's Hope series, which is our deep dive into the letter of Colossians which is in the New Testament, which is in the second half of the Bible. It's page 1,627 in my Bible. I don't know what it is in yours. Um, And We've begun exploring this letter and deep diving into it, um, just because we we know, we don't just believe, we know that God's Word has the power to change lives. And so we think it's so important and vital for us to spend time together (laughs) studying what the Bible actually says, and then what God is saying to us at the moment as a result of that as well. And I'd love to invite you in joining me in that this morning. Um, so as a way, by way of a slight introduction, we've covered some of this in the last couple of weeks. And if you haven't been here or hit listened, then where have you been? Um, Chris and Kat have unpacked the beginning of this letter beautifully. But Colossians is a letter written by Paul, um, who, when he wrote this, in about AD 60-ish, was sat in a prison or potentially under house arrest, depending who you speak to, um, and he was in Rome awaiting trial. And this, this letter is written to the members of a church plant in a place called Colossi. Colossi. I've been practicing saying that all week and never quite nailed it. Colossi, I think. And that's, um, it was started by a guy named Epaphras, who had met Paul on his travels elsewhere. And uh, Paul had never actually been to Colossae. And he's written this letter there to help believers there ground their faith in the truth of who Jesus is and what that means for them in their life and in their relationship with him. Now, around the area of Colossae, there were some kind of spiritual groups who um, studied something called Gnosticism, and um, which was basically the collection of a whole load of spiritual ideas to help to get spiritual fulfillment and enlightenment. And so Paul, when he's writing this letter, is writing to them just to try and counteract some of those bits and pieces, that some of this false teaching, this, this heresy, these misunderstandings that may have been starting to creep in to the churches, that the Gnosticism and their roots in that were starting to come in, and Jesus was effectively becoming attributed just as another layer in this Gnostic thinking. Now the verses we're going to be looking at this morning are verses 15 to 20. And there's a fundamental message in these verses that I think Paul is reminding the the people in Colossae of here and for us today. And if you hear nothing else today, I want you to know that Jesus is enough for you. Now, the purpose of all Bible study is not to fill our heads with information, but to lead our hearts into revelation. And I think in reading this this morning, God wants to show you something new about him. He wants to move the truth from here in your head that you know and get it here in your heart and in your gut. And that truth this morning is, as I said, Jesus is enough for you. He was there before the world was created He reflects the entire fullness of who God is. And no matter your situation, 
who you are, where you come from, what's gone before, he's made a way for you to connect with a father who loves you so much. So can you stand with me a second? I just want to pray for us. I just want to invite God to come and speak into our gut. So if you want to put your hand on your gut or your heart or wherever. Father, thank you that you love us. And thank you for all the words that are written here in in the Bible, in your words. And thank you that you speak to us today as well. So take everything I'm going to say, take what Paul wrote in his letter and just just inject it into us, infuse it into us that we have a sense of a new revelation, a new understanding of who you are and how much we are loved and how massive and amazing Jesus is this morning as well. Yeah, help move that information from our head to our heart to our gut that we know and we live out of that joy and that sense of understanding who we are as we understand more of who Jesus is. Yeah. Yeah. Come and have your way right now. Come and do what you want to do, Holy Spirit, as we talk about this. Amen. Right. I want you to picture Paul. He's in prison, maybe with him, possibly even with Timothy as well. And he's kind of thinking to himself, I've heard about these amazing guys in Colossae. And I need to remind them just to, I need to write to them just to remind them who Jesus is. And as he puts pen to paper or even dictates, I don't know how this was written, but he writes and he writes and he writes. And when he wrote this, it wasn't written. He didn't add all the little numbers next to it to break it down into verses and things. But I picture him writing this next passage. I'm writing, I'm reading you a little bit like this. I'm starting a little bit before and we'll get back into it in a bit more detail. So don't try and follow this. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. How amazing and exciting is this? Visible and invisible, things were created by him and for him. He's before all things, and and in him all things hold together. And he is the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he may have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It's this overflow of worship and love and declaration from Paul. The verses we're looking at today are thought to be a worship song that was written and that was, that was sung by some of the believers at the time. So Paul, as he's writing, the overflow of his love of Jesus and declaring who he is just comes out of him and turns into this song of praise that he then quotes in this letter. Now that's like me sending you all an email and basically saying, oh, it's amazing, we've seen people healed at the warehouse, we've seen what God is doing, we've seen back pain gone, we've seen people find homes because of being prayed for, because God is a way maker, uh, I can't remember the words now, a way maker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness, that's who he is. Even when you can't see it, he's working. It's that exuberance that comes out. Now what would it look like without emails, letters, Facebook messages, WhatsApp messages, exuded Jesus, exuded him inside of us as we communicated with each other? 
that we couldn't help as we worship to break out and into worship and praise and quote worship songs at each other to remind us how good and amazing Jesus is. And you might be getting some more um, worship songs quoted in your emails from me in the future just to remind you who Jesus is. So now we've set the context a little bit of why, what Paul's writing here. Let's slow down and notice what Paul has written and what he's actually saying and what God wants to say to us now. So I'm going to read it a bit more, a bit slower. <laughs> so this is Colossians verses 15 to 20. The title says it all really, The Supremacy of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Wow. So, the supremacy of Christ. Paul here is talking about how Jesus is bigger, greater, superior to all others in authority, power of status. And as I said before, he was writing into a, a culture that believed you could pull in all kinds of different gods and different, um, different kind of entities, being superpowers as it were, in order to attain spiritual fullness. And in writing this, Paul is basically saying Jesus is bigger, better, greater than any of them. <coughs> and so in this first verse, in verse 15, which we're going to stick on for a little while, some meat in here, he is the image of the invisible God. Wow, what does that mean? Well, why well, I use the word invisible there is why I first started when I thought that. And historically, Judaism, which is where kind of the beliefs of um, Jesus was a Jew and um, uh, the early church stemmed out of God's chosen people who were the Jews. The great glory of Judaism was its belief that God couldn't be seen. In fact, the Ten Commandments prohibited any kind of carved image of God. They, were, they weren't allowed to have idols. They weren't allowed to um, create anything to represent him. And the people of Israel were to know God as a spiritual being, not a physical one. But in here, Paul is saying that the amazing truth of Christianity in Jesus is that the invisible God had allowed himself now to be seen in Jesus. And the, the word image here is it's an exact like, likeness, a representation. It's not a, a copy as such. It's an exact representation. So it's as if, of you, if you were going to go and stand in and look in a mirror, 
you'd see an exact representation of yourself. And that's who he is declaring Jesus to be here. The image of the invisible God. He isn't just like God. He is God. Reflected. He's the exact representation of God. And Jesus himself actually refers to himself as this. In a conversation with Philip, which is written about in um, the book of John, which is one of the Gospels, the stories about Jesus' life. Philip asked Jesus, he said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So in this, Jesus is the lens in which the invisible God is made visible. And if you want to see the invisible God, know more about him, then you just need to look to Jesus as a starter. Jesus is God, spelling himself out in a language that men can understand. Now, I don't know where you're at with trying to see God or find God if you're watching this later on at home right now or even in the room. But if you're looking for who he is and to find out more about him, I suggest Jesus is the place to start. Why not grab a Bible? If you haven't got one, grab your Bible. Open up the New Testament to the stories about who Jesus is and what he did. And why not start reading and you will see a glimpse of who Father God is through who Jesus was and how he lived his life. And then we move on. He's not only the image of the invisible God, he's the firstborn over all creation. Does the word firstborn here pose a problem? Was Jesus born? Was he created by God? Well, the word firstborn here doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus was the oldest born to, um, wasn't the oldest son, as it were. Like I am to my mum and dad, I am, was born first, um, older than my sister, before my sister, and so I am the eldest son, I am the firstborn in their family, which of course makes me the favourite. Um, the eldest always is, aren't they? I don't know. Is it? <laughs> is this one? I was going to say, do I need to do a winky face emoji here just to kind of get myself out of it? But yeah. But the word firstborn here is used more of a sense of rank or status. And I've been reading more about King David recently as I've been trying to find out more about how he lived his life. That's him of killing Goliath fame. And he was the seventh son of his father, Jesse. And he was given the, the title firstborn of all the kings. The title firstborn is given to you. It's, it's a sense of heir, being an heir. It's a sense of having um, responsibility and having ownership and being held in a, a, a really high excellence, an excellency. And so Paul here is saying, Jesus Christ is the firstborn over all creation He's held in highest esteem over all creation than anything else. He was around when the world was created. He is part of creation. He is, part, he is the creator. 
So if we put verse 15 together, Jesus is the perfect likeness of God. He existed before God made anything and is supreme, even bigger than all of creation. How awesome is Jesus in that context? He's enough for you. And then verse 16, in him and by him and for him, the creation, it, creation happened and existed. This is emphasizing that Jesus isn't only a creator, but everything was created to glorify him. Did you know that that includes you? You were created to glorify God for his pe- good pleasure and his purpose. Everything was made for his pleasure and his praise and for him, to glorify him and to show us, yeah, just for his glory, for his... And everything was created. Jesus was involved in the creation of everything. All things visible, invisible, heaven, all things on heaven and earth, all the thrones, powers, rulers, authorities... Um, as a slight, a quick aside here, that, that is referring to, generally seems to be referring kind of the higher levels of angels and, and, and demons um, in the spiritual realm. So when you see those phrases, thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, that's referring to the, the sense of the heavenly realm, um, which I haven't got time to get into loads of right now, but... Um, the whole idea of this is God created it all. He created the heavenly realm and Jesus was involved in that. He created the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. All things seen and unseen, visible and invisible. And Jesus was before all things. And in, and in him all things hold together. Not only is Jesus responsible for creating everything, he also holds it together. He sustains it. He keeps it moving. For me, this is such a key factor in what separates what I believe and what I see and know as... um, It's what distinguishes it. Because God and Jesus didn't just create the world. He chose to connect with it. It says in the book of Genesis how he created, um, created the earth, the Garden of Eden, and then walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He wasn't like a, a watchmaker who then made this watch and then walked away from it and left it alone. He engaged with it. He connected with it. He got involved with it. He walked together with Adam and Eve, laughed, chatted, And from personal experience, I've seen times when Jesus has been present in, in my own kind of decision-making and helping me move on to the next stage in my life. When Vicky and I... Um, um, yeah, when, when Vicky and I... Vicky's my wife. We were living in Reading at the time. And there was a moment when we were both at a bit of a crossroads in our life and deciding where we wanted to go next. And... Vic loved swimming, and she was off in the swimming pool doing some lengths, and I was just at home. And while, while she was out, 
I felt a really strong sense, and I don't often hear kind of have such a very specific word in that way, but it basically said, Vicky needs to go and train to be a social worker. So I was like, okay, um, that's very specific to Vic, but when, when she gets back, we'll have a chat about it. She comes running in the door when she gets back from swimming and goes, do you know what, while I was swimming, I think I heard God speak to me. I think he wants me to go and train to be a social worker. And it was in that moment that we kind of saw actually this, we'd been praying and asking God, what's the next plan? What's next for us? We were getting a bit fed up in Reading, if I'm honest, and things weren't going great for us there. And and it's that moment that led to Vic applying. It was two weeks before the UCAS deadline to apply to university. And it was just that perfect timing. And in that moment, Jesus speaking to us and effectively sustaining and moving us on, keeping things rolling in our life so that we could be on the plan A, the plan he had for us at that time. And that whole thing led to us coming to Ashford. I won't go into the whole story, but that was the best move we have made. And Jesus cares for us. He inspires us and he whispers things to us that always have the potential to lead us into greater things that he's calling us to do. And that's him holding all things together and sustaining things, even in the little. Uh, right. Verse 18. He's the head of the body, the church. This is described in a lot more detail a bit further on in the chapter. So I'm going to neatly head over that and say, someone else can deal with that in a few weeks. <laughs> But he is the beginning again over all creation and the firstborn from among the dead. Again, firstborn here, meaning in a sense of um, esteem and um, kind of uh, the the air, the the sitting over the top of it, rather than being the first one who was born from the dead. But because Jesus rose from the dead, he is preeminent. He's bigger bigger than it all. And that's what Paul is referring to here. Can you see how all of these individual um, verses are pointing to Jesus just being enough and being greater and being bigger and just pointing to that? And then verse 19, God was so pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Jesus refers to himself by saying, I am the bread. He refers to himself, I am the light. I am the shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus understood who he was, that he knew the fullness of God, every characteristic of God the Father dwelt in him, lived in him, and was shown through him. Now, I remember, you may remember earlier me saying that Paul was writing to counteract some misteachings from the the Gnostics and Gnosticism. Well, in using the word fullness here, he's speaking their language. This was a a word commonly used to refer to all of the supernatural influences coming together. So whether that was the gods of fertility or the god of war or the god of money and all of this, they referred to all of that coming together as fullness. So in this, Paul is speaking directly into that church context there, into that that belief system and saying, Jesus has the whole fullness of God. You don't need to look elsewhere. You don't need to worship other gods. 
the whole fullness of the one true God dwelt in Jesus, lived with him. And so he's elevating Jesus above all of their ideas, their systems, and their, their, the way that they're looking to gain enlightenment and full, fullness in their life and fulfillment. And so it goes on. We get to verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So what is reconciliation? What does that mean? God's plan was to reconcile people back to him, was to be at peace again with them. So when God created the world, was walking in the garden, it describes how Adam and Eve, in the moment that they, they took the fruit from the tree that he said, oh, don't, don't eat from that, that at that moment... God's relationship with, with, with man, with humanity, was, was broken, not because of a punishment, but as a protection to them. They suddenly had this, this knowledge of it, all that was good and evil, and that meant that the fullness of who God was wasn't able to quite, to meet, they weren't able to meet that standard of, of who God was and what God was what God was. And that relationship was broken and it was absolutely devastating to the father that his children couldn't dwell with him anymore, couldn't live with him, couldn't walk in the garden with him anymore. And it's what Paul is talking about here is that Jesus is sent as the the great rescue plan to bring everything to peace again and for Jesus to effectively get the keys back to the kingdom and to restore that relationship that was broken. But in doing that, Jesus didn't just restore the relationship with man and God. He restored everything. Everything was reconciled and made at peace in God's eyes. The whole of creation. And because of Jesus' blood shed on the cross, everything was brought back to how it was meant to be to, the, to peace in God's, in God's eyes. Everything is reconciled. So for you today, whatever situation you're in, wherever you find themself, yourselves, whatever you've done before, whatever you did before you came in this building this morning, whatever you did 10 years ago, all things are reconciled to God, made at peace with God. To the extent, as Paul writes in another letter, that we are now co-heirs with Christ. Where Jesus holds the firstborn title of honour over all creation, we, when we give our yes to him, become co-heirs of that title. We're viewed in the same light as Jesus. Accepted and loved no matter who we are, no matter where we have come from, we are completely reconciled to God. And that is the invitation that Jesus today is giving to you. 
No matter your situation, he's made a way for you to connect. And Jesus is enough for you. Jesus was there when you were created. You were created for his glory. He reflects and shows us the entire fullness of who God is. And no matter your situation, he's made a way for you to connect with your father. He's made a way for you to reconcile with him. And that's an invitation to you this morning where you're at right now. Whether that's a new step for you, whether that's uh, something you've never done before, or whether that's a recommitment, you want to come back to him and go, yes, Jesus, you are enough for me in this moment. We're being invited to step into that right now. So can I invite you to stand, please? I just want to offer the opportunity right now. If you want to know more and start on this walk with who Jesus is and finding out more about him and the fullness of God that he, he can show you, and you want to say your yes to starting on that, that journey, that walk this morning, then I'd love to invite you. This is the space to do that now. We'd love to celebrate with you. So if you're online or at home and you want to go onto church online and just mention in the comments there, or even on Facebook, mention in the comments there, then please do. If you're in the room here for the first time, you want to say, yes, I want to commit on that journey to walk with Jesus and know more about who he is, then I'd love for you to put your hand up right now. And for those of us who've been constant, been, who've known Jesus for a while, I think Francis's word from earlier speaks into some of this as well. There's a moment here for us to put our, our hands up and say, we want to reconcile with you, Jesus, as we want to let go of everything that's holding us back from fully knowing who you are at the moment. And if that's you, if you want to say right now in this moment, Jesus, I want to fully commit myself to you again. I want to be reconciled to you fully, and I want to know the fullness of who you are. Then I encourage you to put your hands out. Put your hands up, out, whatever. I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, come right now. Father, we take this moment just to stand in your presence as your sons and your daughters completely reconciled to to who you were brought brought back to who you are. Thank you for who Jesus is. Thank you that Jesus is enough for me. Thank you that Jesus is enough for us. And we stand here right now and we commit ourselves to living like that. That we would see and look to Jesus for the fullness of who you are, Father. And we would live a life that reflects that. And today is a marker in the sand as we go out of this place. We know we carry the fullness of God out with us. Yeah. And today is a marker, a line in the sand that says, from, from today as we go out to tomorrow, it's going to be different. Because today we encounter you. We, we've seen how awesome you are. Give us words, pictures, words of knowledge, inspiration, encouragement. Let's carry healing out of this place for people that we just bump into in the street, Father. Because we are loved and cherished 
by Jesus who is bigger than anything else, any other God we can worship, any other thing we set our eyes on, Jesus, grab our attention every time. Let's be completely focused on who you are and how much you love us. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.